Which prospects boosted their stock the most at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indy? Dallas Cowboys star wide receiver Amari Cooper will be looking for a new team this offseason and how Dallas can retool their wide receiver core and how the Combine impacted our first Locked On NFL podcast mock draft. It's all that and more on today's episode of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Fired up. Welcome in to another episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's Monday, so you've got me, Bo Brock Daly, host of Locked On Cardinals, joined by local experts on the biggest stories around the league. Thanks for making the Locked On NFL podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for checking out the Locked On NFL podcast. Now on YouTube, great daily content every day. Of course, this offseason, all offseason long and into the regular season, Every day, of course, across every podcast platform, free and available to use the Peacock and Williamson podcast. Matt Williamson joins us here, fresh off the NFL Combine. Matt, uh, always love to get your insight, former NFL scout. Which prospect was the most impressive last week in Indy? Wow, so many were, and there were some overlying themes of speed and athleticism, and it blows me away every year. And, you know, we're a year removed from the last Combine, so... Uh, just when I thought that you know, these defensive players in particular couldn't get more athletic and more impressive, I was wrong. I mean, they took it up a level. I think you have to look at Jordan Davis, though, from, from Georgia, just because of the size and power, and you mix that with his ability to move. I mean, the 40 was unbelievable. I mean, it just is a, a, for a human being that big. But when you watch them on the drills, the hoop drills and the different bag drills and the dipping your shoulder around the uh, the tackling dummies and those type of things, he has rare flexibility too. It's not just explosion and power and acceleration in a straight line, but he can flip his hips and run and get low. He's really impressive. But man, I mean, I could give you 20 names. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when when you talk about a guy like Davis, can he be a completely different player? They play similar positions. Aaron Donald in the NFL kind of undersized. Jordan Davis is going to be even oversized for that position. Mm -hmm. How do you envision his game translating to the next level? Well, the question with him is is his stamina. You know, how many snaps can he play? How many snaps in a row can he play? And frankly, if he went to basically any other school on the planet, except for maybe Alabama, he would have played more snaps. I mean, mm. I, you know, I don't even know the young man's name, but there's a, a defensive tackle coming out of Georgia next year that's supposed to be better than the two guys coming out this year. Both might be first-round picks. So um, the lack of stamina or that question is hard to answer because yeah. he wasn't asked to play 30, 40, 50 snaps a game like he would at other schools. But there were some instances, and one was against Alabama in you know one of the postseason games, where he got worn down on a long series. You know, he got out there and they start playing hurry up and he's gassed a little bit. So ideally, I think he goes to, you know, a a team that doesn't need him to play 80, 90% of the snaps. And it wouldn't even just be early downs or goal line. You can put him out there in any situation. 
but hopefully there's some maybe some older guys in place that they need the breather and yeah. they could spell off each other almost like hockey lines. Yeah, you know, the team I cover on a daily basis on the Cardinals, he'd be a perfect fit there. Uh, oh, join yeah. that front seven with J.J. Watt, and we'll see what they do with uh, Chandler Jones as far as free agency. But Marcus Golden already in the fold, and those linebackers, a guy in the middle in the teeth of that defense would be perfect. Let's move on here. There's a trio of prospects, Matt, that are in the running for the number one spot as far as this spring's draft goes. Did any of those guys separate themselves? Uh, the tackle from Alabama, Evan Neal, or the two pass rushers, Aiden Hutchinson and in and, uh, and, uh, and Thibodeau? I think you also have to put Ekwanu in there, too, from okay. NC State. Um, all four were very impressive. I don't know that any separated themselves. I don't know that I would change my selection if I were Jacksonville based on what I saw. I also wasn't privy to medicals and, you know, sitting down with those young men either. Thibodeau only ran a 40, looked great doing it, and he's very impressive. Hutchinson had a remarkable three-cone number, and that to me is one of the most, in, in, you know, indicative numbers for edge pass rushers. He, I mean, he was well under seven seconds, which is just rare. Um, a little bit of short arms for him, though, too. Certainly no physical issues with either of the tackles. There was more buzz, though, you know, just talking to people that maybe Ekwanu is ahead of Neil on, mm. you know, at least half the boards out there. But the one that matters is Jacksonville. And yeah. I don't think you go wrong with any of those. Thibodeau would probably be my fourth of those guys, though. Matt Williamson, the Peacock and Williamson podcast. You obviously got to check it out. Flagship NFL show here on our network. Uh, Last question. A lot of people still lukewarm on this quarterback class. Who needs to have a huge pro day performance to really kind of solidify themselves as a first round pick? Yeah, I wish it was that easy that, mm. boy, they lit up pro day and that made them, you know, from the third quarterback to the first. I, I think a lot of the evaluation is kind of already in the barn with these guys that you know who they are. You know, Ritter tested extremely well. I think people will be really happy with what he showed at the combine. I thought Malik Willis is clearly the, I mean, clearly he's the most talented, but even, even the passing drills, the ball came out of his hands a little different than everybody else. If you want somebody for week one, I think it's definitely Kenny Pickett. So I, I don't know the pro days will determine more. I think it's just what flavor ice cream are you after right now? Yeah. And there, there's a ton of teams that are, uh, they're 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 looking for ice cream this year oh, this yeah. offseason. Look for that quarterback position. Peacock and Williamson, essential listening for all you NFL fans, especially this time of year in the offseason. It's gonna be Matt Williamson's gonna be breaking down his time at the combine. You want to listen to it today and the rest of the week and all offseason long. Matt, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks, Bo. This was great. Can't get enough of the NFL combine. Just uh, some incredible performance, including you know, the 40-yard dash just continues to provide headlines at this year's NFL Scouting Combine. Baylor corner Kalen Barnes clocked in an official 4.23 seconds on Sunday, which was the second fastest time in the history of the Combine. He came up just short of former Washington receiver John Ross, who set the record with a 4.22 second finish in 2017. That's the record Barnes did make history, though. He set the fastest time by a defensive back. Just incredible. We saw the wide receiver duo out of Ohio State, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olive, clock both sub 4440s. Olive 4.29 40 yard dash. 
Probably both first-rounders. Just incredible. Speaking of wide receivers, star wide receiver Amari Cooper looks like he's done in Dallas. How the Cowboys rebuild their wideout room. I'm always pumped to tell you about Bilt Bar. You don't need a solid scouting combine from Bilt Bar to tell you that it's the best-tasting protein bar on the market. It's unbelievable. It, it really is. I mean, and when you have you checked out the Puffs yet? If you haven't checked out the Puffs, well, I mean, you're missing out. It's one of best Built Bar's best-selling bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. The Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. They've got churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. Are you kidding me? Built Bar's covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, the puffs included, as I said, 100% real chocolate, just like a candy bar, but they're low in calorie, high in protein. Replace your candy bars with these. You'll be better for it, and they taste better. The typical candy bar is anywhere from two to 300 calories. Save yourself some cash as well. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's using the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Locked On NFL podcast. Make it as your first listen. Make sure you're following Locked On NFL on YouTube. Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NFL every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. Also on Locked On Cowboys, where our next guest, he's the co-host, Landon McCool, joins us. And, uh, you know, interesting reports coming out of Big D that... Amari Cooper could be on his way out. Likely is the report from Adam Schefter. That's the way he phrased it. Break down the reason, Landon, why Amari Cooper and the Dallas Cowboys are likely headed for divorce. Oh, boy, I'm going to have to get a book out because there's like so many different uh, chapters and angles in this. Um, you know, I think you have to start with with the contract, right? I mean, he, the Cowboys are uh, due to pay Amari, I think, someone in the area of $21 million next season. Uh, and cutting him, I think, before June 1st would reduce that number down to $6 million. That's not really the reason. That is the the the, the crux of the of the situation, though. Uh, and if that money wasn't the case, then, you know, and, and honestly, even if the deal was structured differently, uh, maybe structured more like Zeke's deal, where it would be a little bit more difficult to get out, I don't think that we would even be having this conversation. But the point is, is that the Cowboys are in a tight cap situation, probably not due to the co- the Cooper uh, contract itself, but due to several other contracts. And because of that, Cooper's contract is imminently move, you know, move onable, if that's a phrase, mm-hmm. I guess. It, it's, it's a situation where he's due this money. It's guaranteed by, uh, I think, exactly two weeks from today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Cowboys are in a spot where teams know that, that he's due that money. Uh, it makes kind of trading him um, or making him a tradable piece kind of difficult. Uh, and the Cowboys are currently, I think, $22 million over the cap as it stands right now. So they have to do something to kind of uh, make some of that room. Uh, mm-hmm. The question is, do they want to keep Cooper and kind of flip the trigger on like six or seven other contracts, thereby mm-hmm. extending their life and kind of having to do this whole rigmarole down the road with somebody else? Or do they want to kind of cut their losses here and 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 try to get out of this contract to try to you know save up some money and eventually next year they'll probably do the same thing for Zeke with the idea that by 2023 suddenly they'll be you know flush with cash or or at least in, in NFL terms. Does Dak's new contract play a role in this? Is where as far as they're kind of cap strung. I mean, yeah, of course. Like yeah. in the sense that he's by far the highest play, paid player on their roster. Uh, I think it certainly does. I, I think that 
you know, the difference there is that Dak is definitely one of those contracts that, you know, there's like a whole section, all the contracts with the Cowboys all have you know, the switches in them. All of them can be flipped so that they can be extended out, push out guarantee money, uh, you know, pay, pay the, pay the credit card later, basically. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and Dax is the only one that they are going to you know light up like a Christmas tree. They have no problem flipping all the switches with him and guaranteeing mm. all the money there. I, I think the difference, even though Dax is obviously the highest paid, he's the one that they have the least problem kind of pushing that money on the back end of, uh, and they're being a lot more judicious with some of these other contracts, like maybe Tyron Smith or, uh, you know, uh, Zach Martin or some of the, some of these other folks that they're like, you know, do we want to do this? Do we want to push more money and guarantee more years? It, it, it can make things a little bit hairy down the road for them. It's strange to think about that this was such a strength for the Dallas Cowboys the last couple of seasons. I mean, most importantly, this past season where you have the wide receiver core, and it can look dramatically different. C.D. Lamb, really the only main receiver that will be under contract potentially by the start of free agency. Cedric Wilson, potential free agent. Uh, what do you envision as far as how this team's going to approach that position this offseason? Yeah, if Cooper goes, then you know it's it's going to be an interesting kind of shuffle to see exactly how things work out. Right now, we are hearing rumors that uh, Gallup is very much being uh, approached by the Cowboys and they're discussing numbers, but it sounds like they may be pretty far off from each other as far as what they're expecting and what the expectations of a Gallup contract would look like. Uh, I think Cedric Wilson is going to end up getting maybe more money than they're comfortable paying, though I wouldn't be surprised if they found a way, if, if Gallup you know, doesn't work out for them to kind of you know go a little bit more in. Uh, on Wilson because I know they like Wilson. They feel like he can do a lot of things. He certainly can be a a, a good third receiver for you if that's what you if that's what you need. I have to think that the draft is a big thing here. You know, mm-hmm. and part of I part of the reason it sounds like that the Cowboys are kind of interested in this and maybe more than other reasons is that they felt like despite the money that the production wasn't quite where it needed to be and maybe even the effort wasn't quite where it needed to be uh, for, for Cooper at the end of the season. So I think at this point now they may be looking to kind of just blow up the situation a little bit, try to kind of reload the wide receiver spot, uh, you know, in, in hopes that if they can move off some of that money on Cooper's deal, maybe they can re-sign Gallup and they can, you know, franchise tag someone like Dalton Schultz and then also hopefully pay other people like Randy Gregory, who's also up and they really, really would like to retain. Does it sting Cowboys fans a little bit more? Just the fact that they traded a first for Mari Cooper, you know, oh, yeah. this big, the big contract extension that they, that they were able to work out last off season, but now it seems to be the demise of Mari Cooper. Uh, you know, how, how do we kind of break down you know his tenure in Dallas. You know it's 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 an interesting uh, look. I mean he, you know the Cowboys before they brought him in were kind of in a situation where they didn't have a number one wide receiver and they were trying to do a, a kind of wide receiver by committee situation with uh, frankly Gallup as their best receiver as a rookie coming in on a third uh, third round pick, um, and 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 you know clearly that didn't work for them and and the trade was a direct result of of that kind of failure uh, in the wide receiver room and ne- knowing that they needed something on top. You know, smash cut to where we are currently, and they have drafted uh, CeeDee Lamb, who fell into their lap. Amari Cooper had an incredible first year with, with the Cowboys, uh, had a pretty good last year without Dak uh, on the field. Uh, and then this year, you know, just, I mean, 
from pure numbers wise uh, was just kind of a little bit disappointing. I, I understand he missed some time with injury, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I, I think that we should, the Cowboys should not be making excuses for their $21 million, you know, receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, and whether that's because the Cowboys offense can't provide for a number one receiver because they want to spread the ball around or because of something that Cooper has done on the field. It honestly doesn't matter at this point. Like it, 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 you're just not going to get the value you want out of a $21 million receiver if you're going to spread the ball around like this or if he's not going to perform up to that level. I mean, he basically had the same number of targets last season as uh, Dalton Schultz. And, mm. and go look at the numbers. Dalton Schultz like produced at a higher level than he did, and even wow. at a yards perception level. So uh, that's not great. Yeah. Uh, and 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 uh, and you know it's probably a lot more uh, uh, digestible if you're not paying him you know three times the salary of all the rest of your wide receivers combined. Right. Yeah. And and people somehow last week just figure out the age of Amari Cooper, which I thought was yeah. new where ballpark. But people are like, oh, my God, he's only 27 years old in the prime of his career. Same age as Calvin Ridley, where a lot of people would think that his, uh, you know, the, the other former Bama wide receiver is a little bit younger. But, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll be in high demand if, if the Cowboys do pull the trigger on this move. All right. Last question for our guest here, Landon McCool. Of course, you want to check out Locked on Cowboys on a daily basis for great offseason content with him and Marcus Mosher breaking things down any headline making moves outside of this the envision from the cowboys between now and uh maybe free agency or the before the draft you know they're just they just haven't been in the headline making moves business you know mm-hmm. uh uh lately i mean they, they what they do is they they try to fill gaps uh in free agency kind of cheaply uh, and then sign their own. I would imagine if if Cooper goes, they're gonna, like I said, make real strong pushes to try to retain all three of Gallup, Schultz, uh, and Randy Gregory. Uh, we'll see if 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 that actually happens. I, I would imagine I wouldn't be surprised if they were, uh, uh, you know, participants in the guard free agent market. Uh, maybe they try to head that off instead of having to go into the draft knowing that they needed to draft a, a starting offensive guard because they lost, lost Connor Williams last uh, this offseason. So I, I would imagine that they're kind of kind of nibble around the edges. They'll get some uh, middling to low-end starters uh, to kind of you know at least make sure that they are in a solid spot going into the draft because ultimately what they like to do at the end of the day is, is draft cleanly. They don't want to have to go in with a bunch of heavy needs. So you know, I would look for the positions where the Cowboys have obvious holes and then look you know, at the top guys and then maybe scan down a couple of ranks to, to kind of see where maybe the Cowboys would be interested in buying. Crazy to think about that there's going to be some turnover in that Dallas offense because you thought, hey, once Dak got extended, signing that big money extension last offseason, that they were going to lock in for a while. But it's going to be Dak, it's going to be Zeke, and it's going to be CeeDee Lamb and those talented offensive linemen. We'll see what uh, Jerry Jerry Jones and crew decide to do in retooling that offense this spring. Uh, We're going to get back into the scouting combine conversation as it wraps up today from Indianapolis we got our first Locked On NFL Podcast mock draft. I'm going to take you through my top 10 picks of this upcoming draft. How many quarterbacks sneak into the top 10? You can bet on that, by the way. Football might be over. It might be the offseason, but you're still getting those props at betonline.net. Basketball, also full steam. It's conference championship, conference tournament week before the big dance. And, of course, the NBA continue to aim towards the playoffs. 
From the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC. Head over to the website today, use your mobile device, and learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. It's Bo Brock. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the Locked On NFL Podcast, Mock Draft Monday. Check out Locked On NFL Draft, free and available wherever you find podcasts. Also on YouTube, Ryan Tracy, Eric Crocker. They are uh, doing their latest mock draft today, and I'm releasing my own top 10. Yeah, I'm going to go through the top 10 picks of the 2022 NFL draft as of right now, barring any trades, the New York Jets, New York Giants, each selecting twice within the top 10. So those two organizations that struggled mightily, um, they're going to get a chance to uh, rebuild quickly, add some talent early on in this year's draft. Now that the uh, combine is pretty much complete, wrapping up today in Indy, we have uh, pretty good insight on these prospects. We saw an entire college football season played out, and we have a pretty good idea of who they are. Of course, Pro Day's coming up, and we'll get more and more and more looks at these, these prospects as we inch closer and closer to the NFL draft. Um, but, you know, we're starting to see some of the same picks go to the same teams you're getting a good idea of what the needs are and what direction each organization could go. And I decided to try my hand. And of course, if you have any issues with this, hit me up at Bob Rack on Twitter. Easiest way to find me there, Bo Brock. And, um, you know, let's start with the top. Number one pick. I would like to go 10 to 1, but that just doesn't work in a, in a mock draft. You, you got to start from the top. That's the only way to uh, really shed light on, on the reasoning between, between each and every pick. But the Jacksonville Jaguars for the second consecutive season are picking number one. And in 2021, it was just a disastrous season for Jacksonville. And I think that the Jags go for the safe pick and add stability to an unsteady organization. And that's putting it, it lightly. Uh, it, it's a dumpster fire. And I think uh, the prospect in this year's draft that can do that is tackle Evan Neal out of Alabama. I think he's, he's probably the guy with, with uh, one of the highest floors. And as far as, you know, bustability, probably it's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty minuscule. Protecting and surrounding Trevor Lawrence this offseason with the talent should be the priority number one. Lawrence proved he can't do it on his own. He needs the help to buck this culture trend of losing in Jacksonville. And the best way to do that, keep him upright. If there was, you know, a dynamic wide receiver playmaker, I think that you, you might look at it, but it's not there this year. Like, they can add, obviously, later in the draft, maybe uh, to the to wide receiver. They could add to the defense. I mean, Jacksonville is is, is a disaster. And, but you, you have to set your signal caller up for success. And, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence struggled the most he's ever done in, in his, his football career. And that, that stretches beyond, you know, just his years at Clemson where he, he really didn't struggle that often. Um, so you got to, like at Clemson, surround him with talent and keep him upright and give him the opportunity to make big plays, which he's fully capable of doing. And look, quarterbacks take massive leaps in their second season. They do. I mean, just look at the stats. Uh, look, look at the rises from, from QBs over the last, you know, five, ten years. Year two is, is, is paramount. 
uh, to take a step forward. And, and Trevor Lawrence certainly can do that if he gets uh, enough time in the pocket to find, uh, you know, I don't know who his wide receivers will be next off or next season, but he'll have an opportunity to, to make some big plays. Number two, the Detroit Lions. You know, this is, this is a pick that's been trending since Michigan finally got over the hump and beat their hated rival Ohio State in November. It was fueled, the, the Wolverines were, by three sacks from Aiden Hutchinson. And at the time, Lions, they were winless. They seemed to be a shoe-in for the top pick. They seemed like they were going to be a lock, no matter if they, they got that first W. They did. They got a couple more. Um, and the Jacksonville Jaguars kind of overtake them as, as the top-picking team in this year's draft. But Aiden Hutchinson kind of was the guy that they were talking about back then. And I think, you know, with the Jags going with stability at the tackle position, Hutchinson, the Lions guy, falls into their lap at number two. And I think it's a great pick for Detroit. And, you know, it can kind of jumpstart that rebuild on the defensive side of the football after they uh, they built the offensive line or started there with uh, Penny Sewell last year in the top ten. So good pick by the Lions. Number three, this is where... Mine's really going to kind of differ from a lot of the mock drafts. It's not completely off the wall. The Houston Texans need a lot of help, both sides of the football. You say, well, if Hutchinson goes two and and Neal went one, the other guy in the mix, and we heard there was a fourth guy, obviously from our guy Matt Williamson, but the other guy really entrenched in the mix, the trio of guys in the mix for the top pick, Kaven Thibodeau. It would probably be the next be the next guy to go, but no, I disagree. My favorite prospect in this NFL draft is is the safety out of Notre Dame, Kyle Hamilton. I think the Texans, uh, you know, saying they need a ton of help is is putting it lightly. But recently promoted head coach Levy Smith is a defensive guy. Kyle Hamilton is an absolute stud playmaker. He's got the size, he's got the athleticism, and he'll soon, like soon. I believe, join top playmaking safeties in the NFL. You know, the, the Honey Badgers of the league, the uh, the Derwin Jameses, the Buda Bakers. I think that Kyle Hamilton could kind of put himself in his own class. He's just got that type of ability. I'm excited to see him play at the next level, and I think the Houston Texans, they just need good players. Putting him at the back end of their defense is a step in the right direction. And the Thibodeau slide continues at number four. Even though the Jets have been talking openly about wanting to improve defensively, with a prospect the caliber of uh, Iki Kwanu available at four and a chance to protect the number two pick, just like the top pick from last draft, Trevor Lawrence, we have him getting a tackle at number one. The Jets used their first pick, uh, their first pair of top picks in the, in the top ten on a franchise-caliber tackle out of NC State. And I think uh, Iki Iquanu is, is, a, is a fast riser. You heard Matt Williamson talk about him. And, you know, it, it might be the Jets using their top pick at the tackle position, and then they'll address their defense later on. The team that they share a stadium with in East Rutherford, the New York Giants, their first of two top ten picks. Uh, yeah, falling right into their lap. Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge out of Oregon. And the G-men benefit from arguably the top prospect in the NFL draft sliding to five. Thibodeau becomes the next great pass rusher to join the Giants. Michael Strahan, Justin Tuck, you know, um, there's, there's been a ton of guys that have worn that blue uniform 
in New York and, and played at a high level. And Thibodeau could be the next in line there. Obviously, you know, LT knew how to get to the quarterback as well uh, from the linebacker position and just a, an athletic freak. That's what Kayvon Thibodeau is. And uh, the Giants benefit from him sliding to the fifth pick. Now, let's start to get into some quarterbacks. You're like, six? That's too high. Six is too high. Well, the Carolina Panthers are aggressive. The Carolina Panthers, you know, they're, they're, they're knocking on the door. They're, they're calling each and every team that has a quarterback that might be available. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, they don't look like they're going anywhere. They're staying put. You know, we'll figure out what happens with Deshaun Watson. But uh, the Carolina Panthers aggressively are pursuing a quarterback. And I think if it, it continues until the NFL draft as far as finding a guy that could potentially play the position long-term. And the prospect that I think is worthy of going first at the quarterback position is Malik Willis out of Liberty. He's been a fast riser. He had a great uh, senior uh, senior bowl week, and he had a good combine. I'm sure he's going to dazzle during his pro day. And I think that he's the guy, if, if Carolina is going to reach for signal caller at six, it's going to be Malik Willis, just with his playmaking ability. He is the highest ceiling as far as that department's concerned. His stock continues to rise. I think it will rise all the way up until the draft this later, later this spring. And the Panthers, they can't help themselves. They take Malik Willis. Giants back on the board at seven. They address their offensive line. Brian Dable, new head coach, did wonders with Josh Allen, the Bills' offense. He needs help to start with during his Giants tenure. And Charles Cross, tackle out of Mississippi State, he helps protect possibly the last go-around for former first-round quarterback Daniel Jones. Got to give him a chance. You can couple him with Andrew Thomas, another former first-round pick. And uh, the G-men have a decent offensive line there. Brian Dable starts to cook with a little grease there. Number eight, Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons can go a couple different directions here. I don't think they go quarterback. They are going to figure out what the future of that position looks more this offseason than they did last offseason. But the Atlanta Falcons, I think that they start to address their, their defense. And, I, and I, here's what I think they do. Because they already have a stud in a, in a, you know, a potential lockdown corner for the next couple Terrell. And now they take another player at a premium position as far as pass rusher and the edge. And Trayvon Walker is that guy, stays in the state of Georgia, and uh, he wowed on Saturday. Just unbelievable workouts in Indy. And the Falcons continue their rebuild by adding Walker to their defense. Um, you know, you get the pass rush, you know, him getting to the quarterback, Terrell is your top corner shutting down the opposing wide receivers. Atlanta, they'll figure out Matt Ryan in the quarterback future elsewhere, maybe even later in the draft, but not at number eight overall. And uh, you, you like the, the guys that they've brought in the last two years in the top 10. You know, Kyle Pitts proved Pro Bowl season as a tight end out of Florida in his first year, his rookie year. And uh, now they can take another guy in Trayvon Walker. It, it feels like forever that we haven't seen a guy be able to get to the quarterback in Atlanta for far too long, and Walker can certainly do that, former Georgia Bulldog. Denver Broncos at number nine, and, you know, Malik Willis went a couple picks earlier to Carolina, and now Denver, this has got to be the draft that they take a quarterback. 
And and Kenny Pickett is the next quarterback to get a crack at being the solution under center in the shotgun for the Broncos. Now, I'm not sold on Pickett, but he just seems to be the guy that will be available. If, if the Broncos can't do it through trade or free agency, uh, this is the next option. And, and people get scared, eight-and-a-half-inch hands. And, look, that's it. That's a legitimate concern. Like, those, those are tiny hands. Now, he played in Pittsburgh, but he played forever in Pittsburgh. Um, but Pickett is a very talented quarterback. He was impressive in, in the Senior Bowl. He's impressive all season long for the Panthers and Pitt. Um, and, you know, the Broncos, they need to take a bigger swing at a gunslinger. It's no, it's no more bridge guy. It's no more stopgap guy. It, it's, it's, you got to take a swing for a guy that could be the quarterback to be the solution because that, that roster, it, it seems to be in place outside of the, the quarterback position. And Pickett seems to be the prob- just probably the safer choice then old Mrs. Matt Corral. Now, rounding out my top 10, I'm just doing 10 today. The New York Jets, their second pick in the top 10. And then I mentioned they're going to start to address that defense. And there's a couple players that they could look at, the defensive backs, the corners. And I think they opt for Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU. Jets round out the top 10. They begin to rebuild their defense. Stingley in the mix is the top corner. Ahmed Sauce, Ahmed Sauce Gardner never allowed a TD pass during his Cincinnati career for the Bearcats, but Stingley is the most physically gifted corner in the draft, and I think that's far too tantalizing for the guys in Gang Green, and that's how they round out the top ten. That's going to wrap things up for me, Bo Brock. Thanks for Matt Williamson and our guy Landon McCool from Locked On Cowboys joining me today. Your guys Ross Jackson and Luke Braun, they continue to take you around the league tomorrow on the Locked On NFL podcast. The latest news, biggest news, and continue to gear you up for the NFL draft. More takeaways from the scouting combine. Have a great rest of your Monday. Enjoy your week. Next week... It's the calm before the storm. Podcast will hit, and then we'll start to see where all these NFL free agents, where they start to find their new homes, potentially. Thanks for making the Lockdown NFL Draft your first listen every day. Now make your second listen. Lockdown NFL Draft with Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker. They bring you in the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and the NFL front offices. It's Mock Draft Monday with them as well. They've got their latest. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.